Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. Thanks for tuning in. Ham Talk Live will be on the air shortly. Please stand by. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you by Tower Electronics. For connectors, cables, and more, visit them at a ham fest near you or call 920-435-2973 or online at pl-259.com. It's Ham Radio. Good evening, everyone. It's time for Ham Talk Live, episode number 106. Local and state Skywarn nets recorded live on Thursday, March 15th, 2018. I'm your host, Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Ham Talk Live. Tonight, we're joined by John Mills, KC9BRX. And we'll take your calls live in just a few minutes. We'll be talking about Skywarn this evening. And uh, last week on the show, we had Steve Waterman, K4CGX, and Phil Sherrod, W4PHS, talking about how to use WinLink. And if you missed that or any show, just go to hamtalklive.com, and you can listen on demand anytime you like. Uh, and then we're also on the podcast. You can download us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeart Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, or SoundCloud. You can subscribe to us there, and we're also on YouTube, and you can subscribe there as well if you like. So uh, get your Skywarn questions ready to go. After the interview, you can give us a call. Uh, let me go ahead and give you the phone number. Now, it's not time to call just yet, but let me give you the number. It's 812 net ham one that's 812-638-4261 for the numerically challenged or the, on skype you can find us at ham talk live you can also send us a question via twitter our twitter handle is at ham talk live you can do that whenever you like and uh, we'll take a look at those after we talk to john and by the way if you if you hear some some loud cheering or, or screaming or or I start crying, it, it's because the UK game only has three minutes left in it. So, um, yeah, we're, 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 we, I kind of got that on in the background here. So hopefully that won't uh, mess up the show here. So we'll be back. We'll talk to John, and then uh, we'll take your calls after that, right after this word from Tower Electronics right here on Ham Talk Live. This episode of Ham Talk Live is brought to you in part by Tower Electronics. 
Tower Electronics has been the Ham's Dime Store since 1978. When you need connectors, mobile and handheld antennas, cables, or adapters, visit Scott or Jill at a Hamfest near you. Or you can order online at pl-259.com or call 920-435-2973. Stock up on those supplies like PL-259 and end connectors, SMA adapters, audio cables, soldering supplies, mobile antennas, and Hamsticks. Their silver-plated end connectors are even used on the International Space Station. Tower Electronics carries MFJ, Comet, Daiwa, OPEC, Workman, and HamPro products. And don't miss their 0% off sale going on now. Tower Electronics, online at pl-259.com. Proud to sponsor this episode of Ham Talk Live. Ham Talk Live is on your side, with traffic and weather together on the 8s. Thanks to Scott and Jill at Tower Electronics for sponsoring the show. As always, they help bring you Ham Talk Live each and every Thursday night. Their Ham Fest schedule coming up this weekend, the 18th, they'll be in Toledo, Ohio. On April 6th and 7th, they'll be in Belton, Texas. April 7th, they'll be in Staunton, Wisconsin. And April 14th, Mobile, Alabama. And, of course, they'll be at Hamvention, and we've got our Hamvention preview coming up uh, in just a couple of weeks, so make sure you stick around for that. But uh, for Tower Electronics, you can get the hold of them anytime. If they're not at a Hamfest near you, just pick up the phone and call 920-435-2973, or you can visit them online at pl-259.com. And tell them you heard it on Ham Talk Live. Well, t- my guest tonight is John Mills, KC9BRX. John is an IT service desk specialist, too, working for TriMedics in Indianapolis. John resides in Carmel, Indiana, in the metro Indianapolis area. John attended Liberty University and Indiana University, Purdue University at Indianapolis. Uh, which is commonly referred to as an acronym of IUPUI, or, or as we say around here, Ooey Pooey. Uh, John is one of the directors for Central Indiana Skywarn, which works hand-in-hand with the Indianapolis National Weather Service office through amateur radio to protect the lives of Central Indiana residents. John has been licensed for 16 years and has been with Central Indiana Skywarn for all of those 16 years. And John also spent uh, much of his time uh, in his career in broadcast radio as an on-air personality, engineer, producer, and even meteorologist. Uh, John has worked for radio stations WXXP, WJJS, WHHH, WZPL, and the Radio Forecast Network. And John also spends his time in amateur meteorology. And, and, And John, every time... I hear those call letters, WZPL. I, I think of this old Bob and Tom routine when, when they said, we wish Bob would go straight to hell or even worse, work at ZPL. <laughs> oh, I remember that well. Yeah, so 
That that's immediately what I think of when I hear ZPL. But anyway, good evening, John. Thanks for coming on the show and uh, talking to Skywarn with us tonight. Well, thanks, Neil, for having me. So, first of all, let's just do a little bit of a, a general overview of, of the idea of Skyhorn. Um, so, just give us a little idea of what Skyhorn does and how that information that's gathered from hams, from local nets, eventually ends up at the National Weather Service and then how that helps them do their job. So, Skyhorn is basically we have spotters in the field in each county. And we position those spotters as to what the Weather Service uh, wants to see as far as where the storm is. And we try to keep those spotters away from the most dangerous part of those storms. And those spotters, in turn, have a network uh, net in their counties, and they relay that information back to us. The whole process, uh, we have, uh, for our local central Indiana Skywarn, we have two um, main frequencies here in Indianapolis. And then we uh, link up with... um, Repeaters uh, up in Lafayette, Indiana, uh, Frankfurt, Indiana, and then down in Vincennes, which you're a big part of that. And all those repeaters link together in each county, wherever their position goes into the closest frequency, and they relay the information into us. How the whole process works is, so the Storm Prediction Center in northern Oklahoma uh, does severe weather outlooks every day. Uh, They do watches and warnings, and they do what's called mesoconvective outlooks. When a mesoconvective outlook comes out for a particular area, that local weather service office gets on a conference call and decides where the watch is going to be. And then once that watch is issued, the local weather service will contact, um, in our case, Skywarn, uh, to bring up a net. Now, they don't always contact us uh, if it's a localized event or if they don't think they need us. But we kind of treat the National Weather Service here in Indianapolis as our client and as our customer and we're at their beck and call whenever they need us. Once we bring up a net, then we bring up the counties that we think are going to be affected first, and those counties bring up their local network, and then they send spotters out into the field, if that kind of gives you an idea how it works. Okay, so then what do the forecasters do with all of that information? So they'll look at radar, and they'll see in satellite and computer models and see where they think the uh, storms are going to be most likely, and once those storms do form, then... They'll have us bring up that particular county, which they'll bring up a county net on either most likely UHF or VHF, depending on what type of county repeater they have. They'll spend, uh, send hams out into that particular county, and then we'll, put, we'll uh, provide the information from the weather service where we want to position those uh, down to street level. The, the way the radar technology works now is we can go to street level and we can get those hams where we need them to be, and then they will report to us through their county liaison Uh, what the weather conditions are so say for example they have hail they'll give us an exact location the ham reporting station and the size of the hail uh, and then we'll position other spotters but again it's all done through the local network uh, in the county the local net with a county net control and then a county liaison who will relay that relay that information back to the central india skywarn net and if it gets really, really busy, we, we break it down and we just we only take severe weather reports. A lot of times I've had events where we've had two tornadoes on the ground in the same area or maybe just one tornado. But we just we limit our traffic to emergency traffic only because the quicker we can get that information ver- verified and relayed from the county net back to us to the weather service, the quicker the weather service can make decisions on where they're going to issue the next warning 
They can get the information out to the public through local media, Homeland Security, uh, Twitter, Facebook, all those different resources. So when they take this data that, that we help provide um, to make watches and, and warnings and that kind of thing, we're, we're kind of the the eyes and ears where they have radar. And, and radar tells them a lot. Radar does a, a lot of functions, but especially when you get further out from the radar site, they, they can't always see everything. And so um, the Skywarn people are or the eyes that are, you know, right there in a human form uh, to kind of back up what the radar is telling them. That's exactly right, Neil. Uh, the radar technology has gotten better and better. When I first started in uh, 2002, it, it was okay, and now it's gotten very, very good. But, like you said, as the radar beam goes out from the radar, it goes up in the atmosphere. So that radar beam, um, they can do a slice of the lowest uh, – lowest degree angle of the atmosphere about every one to two minutes but if you're you know 50 50 miles from the radar you may be looking up at four or five thousand feet in the atmosphere well we got ham radio guys all throughout the county on the ground that are going to tell us exactly what's going on on the ground because a lot of times you may see rotation up at four or five thousand feet that looks like a tornado but on the ground it's actually not touching the ground or you may see hail uh, but you don't know what size it is. The radar can give you a general idea, but if, without the eyes and ears of the ham radio operators, the weather service is kind of blind. And, and a lot of times when it is more than maybe, say, 30, 50, 60 miles from the radar, there might be a slight weak rotation on the radar signature, but that amateur radio operator is on the ground. He can see and say, hey, we've got a funnel cloud or a tornado or a wall cloud, and that can give the forecaster the needed information to go ahead and issue that warning where he may have been on the fence, and if something is touching the ground and it could be doing damage to life and property, that amateur radio operator has helped save lives. Well, it's a very important role, and in order for all this information to get there efficiently and accurately, there are some things that needs to be done to make sure that you know we're not reporting what somebody else has already reported, and it just goes in a big circle and and that kind of thing. So uh, let's talk about some of the things that need to be considered if you happen to be running a Skywarn net or you're one of the people checking into a Skywarn net um, to help make sure that everything is correct, verified, and efficient. Uh, yes. Um, we always want to know who, what, where, when, how, and we always want to know uh, the, the spotter's call sign, um, we do not take reports off of police scanners. We do not take reports from the local media. You know, somebody might report the sirens are going off. We don't really, that's not of interest to us. We are, we get all that information from the weather service. Uh, we have, um, a nice, um, online chat, secure chat thing we use that we're in constant contact with the weather service and with Homeland Security and with the media. So, the media will send us information, and, and we, we have an idea of what's going on, but we're, we're, we're looking out for the weather service, and we're basically the eyes and ears. So when somebody is reporting something, you know, if there's an event going on in the county like, um, you know, severe thunderstorm or tornado, we're not going to want the pea-sized hail report. We're, we might ask for it sometimes, but if there's something major going on, golf ball-sized hail, tornado on the ground, funnel cloud, wall cloud, we're only going to look for severe weather criteria, and we, we don't want everybody to be chiming in, you know, like, 
hey, it's raining over here. Well, that's great that you reported that, but we're concentrating right now on the life and death of what is actually occurring that's damaging property and could it, you know, could be killing people. So we try to limit our traffic um, when it becomes really severe. Um, all the counties, when they do bring up their net, we have, you know, they go ahead and let people check in. We do that on the state net, but when we actually have stuff starting to go, uh, you know, happen and, and, and there's an event going on, we start to limit things and, and we have an incident command that we use and uh, we, we really try to encourage people to use um, radio etiquette and realize it is an emergency situation. And unless you have something that is going to add to the weather service or help save lives, we don't need your information. We just want you to stand by until unless you got something that's going to, you know, really help us pinpoint where the storm's going and what's being reported. So we try to try to limit everybody um, to an incident command structure, the five W's. Uh, if it is severe, severe criteria, you know, um, one inch diameter hail, 60 mile an hour winds, uh, funnel cloud, tornado, wall cloud, that kind of stuff. And, and of course, that's the criteria for our region here in central Indiana. And every Skywarn net that goes through a different weather office may have slightly different criteria. Uh, but the principle is is pretty much the same, I think, that you you want to prioritize what you're sending back so that they're not overloaded with information, but they are receiving the critical information as soon as possible. Does that? That is that absolutely, so, right? absolutely spot on. Yes, spot on. Each weather service in each region, I think it's defined by the region, uh, central region, southern region. The weather source has different regions around the country, and I think each region has their own set of criteria for what they need reported. Now, if the forecaster says, "Hey, you know," sends me a message and says, uh, "You know, what what are you getting out of this storm?" You know, we're kind of interested in this storm. We don't have a warning on it right now, but hey, what are you getting? Then I would reach out, and say, "You know, hey, Clinton County, I got this cell." Uh, south of Frankfurt, uh, for example, do you have any spotters in the area? Can you tell us what's what we're getting there? We we do from time to time do that, but again, when you're when you're in a, a major event, you've got you know like a devastating hailstorm, you've got a tornado on the ground, uh, you go into that incident command structure, and you, only people that are prudent to that area who can give us real time reports, we really really kind of discourage all other traffic because. Like you said, the the net can get very, very cluttered, and you can have people piling up on each other, and it is an emergency situation, and we are providing a service to the Weather Service. No, we're not paid. We're all volunteers, but we're giving our community a, a great service because, like we said earlier, the radar can only see so much. So when you have hams out in the field, what they're giving the community and providing, you know, is you can't – there's no other way to get that kind of information. So we've got to limit our traffic to the pertinent information only – until you know things kind of loosen up possibly but again for the most part we're, we're normally just asking for severe weather you know a lot of times when i turn on the radio and one of my co uh, cohorts is running the net and i don't hear a lot of traffic I, I think to myself well there must not be a lot going on because that's how we've kind of trained our region is you know unless there's severe weather we're not really keying up the radio you know unless the weather service asks for a particular area if that if that kind of helps yeah so we're keeping the frequency clear so that if somebody does have some priority traffic, they can get in and they're not having to wait around on, um, you know, well, it's raining and the sirens are going off, you know, that kind of thing, or, or just checking in for the numbers, you know, you're just checking in so that we can show that we've had all these people there. Well, you know, we can do that at the end of the net and, and, you know, when 
it's not in priority. And, and sometimes that's hard because you're kind of switching back and forth. You'll start out in kind of an informal net where you're just kind of talking and, you know, getting a feel for who's around, who's available, who might be, you know, in a certain area if, if that call or that request does come in. Um, but then all of a sudden when it hits, you have to switch gears. You have to go to, you know, keeping the frequency clear and trying to uh, make sure that we get all the priority traffic so that we're getting the golf ball size hail, not the pea size hail, you know, if if that's happening and it, and it changes from time to time. Yeah, so what I'll do generally, and, and um, my president taught is my mentor, uh, N9GDR, Mark Schaefer, and so what I'll do when I open a net, I'll say, you know, we're bringing up a net. Here's the tornado watch, the severe thunderstorm watch, what counties are involved. And then once the stuff gets going and we have an area where we're going to look at, I'll say, you know, are there any stations from this county? Tippecanoe, Montgomery, Park, Putnam, any stations. And I'll have those stations check in and I'll say, you know, weather is developing. We're going to have weather coming into your area. Can you please bring up a net? And, you know, um, let us know, you know, your, your, who's your liaison station is going to be. And then about every five minutes or so, I'll give an update on what's going on as far as warnings for our particular area and what the radar is showing um, as far as what we're looking at. So kind of give everybody an update. And that way people aren't coming on and saying, well, what's the radar look for my area? What's the radar look for this area? Well, again, we want to limit that traffic. So I'm kind of giving a synopsis every five to ten minutes as to where the severe activity that we're really concentrating is, is, is in. That way we're not tying up the frequency with everybody wanting to know if it's going to hit their house or whatever. And if you just heard a big sigh of relief, uh, the, the Kentucky Wildcats were, were victorious this evening, so so that's over. So, so I don't have to worry about that now. So, so you're anyway. Not, you're, you're not sweating it out now. <laughs> yeah, not, not having to sweat it out. Now, now, now we can do it all over again Saturday. Um, so let's, let's, that's a good transition to what I wanted to talk about next, which is traffic. The other direction, um, is that we're serving the national weather service and not the other way around. Um, and so we can also have some issues where, uh, you know, we need information to get it out to the spotters so that they are safe, so that they know what to look for and what to expect. But on the other hand, a lot of times we know there's a lot of, you know, friends and family that are listening on a scanner and it's tempting to want to broadcast. It's tempting to want to, you know, keep reading the watches and warnings over and over and over um, and, and, you know, keep the frequency going and keep the repeater active when we actually need to, to, to be listening. Um, so a little bit about, um, you know, the announcements and maintaining a, a, a good balance of, you know, providing data for, to keep the spotter safe, but yet, um, you know we're not at, we're not in the broadcast business. The National Weather Service is the the ones who need to make those watches and warnings. Yeah, we don't. We only relay information from the weather service. And like I said, I try to give a synopsis every five to ten minutes of what the radar is showing, what areas we're targeting, and what warnings we have in effect. Um, but if they do come out with a new tornado warning or severe thunderstorm warning, we're going to relay that information to the county. So, like, uh, for example, 
um, let's say Monroe County, a severe thunderstorm warning comes out for Bloomington. Well, we'll, we'll contact the liaison station from Monroe County, let them know. 95% of the time, they've got the warning too, but we just like to let them know there is a warning. And here's where the Weather Service wants to position the spotters. We don't want to put our spotters in harm's way, so we encourage them. We try to position them like maybe a mile and a mile and a half away from or the harm's way. So say there was a tornado uh, that was spotted on the west side of Bloomington. We'd have them south of that area and southeast, and we'd make sure that they have escape routes to get out of there, that area in case the storm would shift. So we're not having people punching cores and driving dominators into storms. We're there to report <laughs> for the weather service and get the information for the weather service and not put ourselves in harm's way. Get as close as we can be to provide that eyes and ears for the weather service without risking our lives where you know you have some of these people that they're they love the thrill of trying to drive into the tornado which to me i've never understood it i think it's the dumbest thing you can do because as we saw a couple years ago in oklahoma they had several very very highly respected storm chasers and spotters and even meteorologists who got killed because the tornado shifted and they had no escape route so we always try to think about the spotters and position them but yet not too close the other thing with uh, the weather service and how the nets work, there may be a lot of times, I see this a lot in the summer, we, ha- we have a lone severe thunderstorm that pops up and there's no watch or warning. We encourage our counties here in central Indiana, if they want to bring up a net any time, they are more than welcome to do that. But we're not going to bring up our um, state net for 39 counties until the weather service calls us because we consider them, they're our customer and, you know, if the county wants to bring up a net, that's, you know, that's great. They can relay that information by phone, by Facebook, Twitter, or even the uh, NWS chat service. Uh, but we are just totally at the, the beck and call of the weather service as their customer, whatever they need us to do to help them do their job better and save lives. And, and the weather service does, uh, at least here, uh, does a, a fabulous job of going out and training weather spotters and and giving them the information to know what to look for what cloud formations to look for and you know again a safe place to do the spotting but a lot of times we don't always get the training on what to communicate and how to communicate and so that's kind of the gap we're trying to fill tonight is uh give you a little bit of an idea of um you know how to communicate that information once you're trained as a Skywarn spotter and, and then um, working in one of these nets. So uh, we're going to take a break, but we're going to take your questions and uh, we'll be back with John. And uh, if you have a question, we'll, uh, we'll take those calls in just a couple of minutes. And I uh, also want to mention the Skywarn reflector. I had a note to, uh, to talk about that. So we'll do that right after these words from the National Voice of America Museum of Broadcasting and Amateur Radio Newsline, right? here on ham talk live the national voice of america museum of broadcasting located in westchester ohio just north of cincinnati is only two minutes off i-75 the museum is the former home of the voice of america bethany relay station tours are now available every saturday and sunday from 1 to 4 p.m eastern time you can see the control room a 200,000 watt transmitter and the most comprehensive collection of inventions by the iconic Powell Crosley Jr. Also on display is a huge antique radio exhibit and R.L. Drake's personal collection of most every Drake amateur rig ever made. 
This is a unique opportunity to see amateur radio in action and have a chance to get on the air from WC8VOA. Admission is only $5 a person. The museum is located close to historic WLWAM and tons of shopping and restaurants. Take a trip to the VOA Museum or visit us online at voamuseum.org. Nominations are now open for the Amateur Radio Newsline, Bill Pasternak, WA6ITF, Young Ham of the Year Award. I'm Don Wilbanks, AE5DW. Since 1986, we've had the honor of celebrating the accomplishments of youth in ham radio, and we want to know about your exceptional young ham. You'll find the rules and a nominating form by clicking the YHOTY tab on arnewsline.org. Fill it out, send it in, and we'll see you and an amazing young ham at the Huntsville, Alabama Ham Fest in August. Thanks, and 73, from Amateur Radio Newsline. Hey, baby, what's your sign? What's your call sign? You're listening to Ham Talk Live with Neil Rapp. Join the conversation. Call us on voice with Skype at Ham Talk Live or give us a call at 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Now, here's more Ham Talk Live. Ham Talk Live is on the air every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time right here at HamTalkLive.com. And be sure to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And it's time for your calls now. So if you have a question for John, give us a call at 812-NET-HAM-1. That's 812-638-4261. Or you can Skype us, or Ham Talk Live on Skype, and you can also tweet us. We're at Ham Talk Live on Twitter, so uh, be sure to chime in, and we'll say hello to Carl KD9HQT who's listening, and uh, mentions he, he knows all about the W9ICE repeater here in Indiana that the state net is on. And uh, thanks for listening in, Carl, and. Um, we want to uh, mention here, uh, KC5FM um, noted that there is a Skyhorn email reflector uh, that ties in Skyhorn, you know, across the country. Um, and that's on uh, the QTH.net service, uh, mailman.qth.net. And uh, I'll retweet the address here. Uh, that's probably the easiest way to get that link because it's a little long but uh, just retweeted that so um, if you're interested in getting on that email reflector uh, that is another source of information as well so uh, we're back with john kc9brx from central indiana skywarn and again we're we may use some of the indiana things as an example but uh, the, the same principles apply wherever you are that uh you know, information needs to be gathered and verified and, and um, sent in an efficient manner. And, and this is, um, you know, the, the structure that we have here in Indiana that we're talking about. But there's similar things um, in other areas. Um, John, if you could talk about a little bit of, of the dangers of, um, 
you know, you see something on the radar, you know, on your local net, and then you call that in, or um, you hear something on um, the scanner, and and you call that in. What what can happen with that? Um, well, you could put people in harm's way in your local net. I mean, a lot of our local counties do have radar software. Um, our group uses the Gibson Ridge GR level analyst software. Uh, to track the storms, but we, we, we coordinate directly with the meteorologists. So if we see something that we might think is an area of concern, we'll check with one of the meteorologists first, say, hey, we're seeing this. Do you guys agree? What do you guys want us to do? And then they direct us um, rather than uh, we've had counties where they say, hey, I see rotation. It's got a, a mezzo thing spinning on the radar. Should we should we send somebody into that? Well, you know, we, we always want to check with the weather service because, of course, of course, they are the professionals, they are the experts, we are amateurs, and we always want to make sure this is where they want to send somebody. And again, when we send somebody to an area, we always try to position them here in Indiana, uh, and for the most part, when you're spotting for tornadoes, you always want to be south, southeast of where the the wall cloud and the supercell would be. We would never want you to drive into it. I stressed that earlier, that you know you see all these chasers driving into these things. And that's just putting your life at risk and just uh, not a smart move. So um, we always try to verify with the weather service. Here's where the storm is. Here we, here's where we're going to put the spotters and then get the information back. Um, you know, if you hear scanner reports, w- the weather service has, with especially nowadays with all the Internet and everything, they have direct links with state police, with Homeland Security, with county sheriff, county police, uh, the media. In fact, the media... Uh, our, our organization and other uh, uh, ham organizations, Homeland Security and the Weather Service, all have a secure chat room that we all chat within uh, during severe weather. And the Weather Service kind of limits it to only emergency traffic. Uh, so they're going to get that information that you hear on a scanner. So you rebroadcasting over your local net or to the state net is not doing anybody any good because they've already got that information. And again, as I stressed earlier, we want to try to keep the frequencies open for pertinent traffic. Uh, we will have check-ins at the beginning of our nets for our county and our state, but when the ball gets rolling and the storms start rolling, then we limit it to emergency traffic only. And, you know, there's even times when we have a severe thunderstorm, but if we've got a live tornado on the ground that's hitting an area that it could kill people or do destruction to homes, we limit the traffic only to that area. Uh, it just depends on the situation. We're talking to uh, John Mills, KC9BRX, uh, about Skywarn issues. And so if you want to give us a call, it's 812-638-4261, 812-NET-HAM1, or Skype us at Ham Talk Live, or tweet us at Ham Talk Live if you have a question or comment about the topic tonight. And um, also, uh, I will remind uh, our listeners that uh, last spring, uh, we had uh, a pair of shows, actually, uh, the Hurricane Watch Net and the Voice Over IP Hurricane Watch Net. And speaking of, here, here one of them's calling in right now. Uh, but those, you know, are ap- applicable to um, the coastlines a little more than it is uh, for us here. We're, we're in Tornado Central, uh, but there's all those other... Um, nets out there and so if you are interested in any of that that hurricane watch net or the voice over p voice over ip uh weather net make sure you check out 
uh, the old Ham Talk Live episodes um, from last spring. And speaking of that, uh, we do have a caller on the line. It, it's Lloyd KC9, uh, KC5FM from the Voice Over IP uh, WeatherNet. So good evening, Lloyd, and uh, what's your question for us tonight? Well, I had actually called in to listen to the program, but uh, thanks for taking my call, and I always appreciate your topical stuff, considering that Skywarn is, uh, uh, well, spring weather season here in Oklahoma is right upon us. We have a fire weather watch today and tomorrow, uh, warning rather, in Oklahoma, so it's uh, important to be all up to speed on all kinds of weather. My friend KD1CY is being hammered in the northeast with the number three blizzard. So there's all kinds of weather in, in America to be weather aware about, and Skywarn is the program to help you uh, do that. Um, I appreciate that uh, comment, too, about the VOIP uh, weather net. Over. Okay, Lloyd. Yeah, very good. We uh, we thank you again for coming on uh, the show and talking about that. and. Uh, and often feeding us some information, and um, so we'll uh, we may post a link uh, to that show again uh, later on this evening after the show, uh, so you can find it easily. But it's there in the archive if you just go back uh, on hamtalklive.com. You can uh, find that conversation. So, yeah, Lloyd, thanks for for calling in, and uh, yeah, uh, the the nor'easters raging out there in the northeast and. Uh, uh, Oklahoma, you're, you're on a fire watch. Is that, is that what you said? Or you got some, some drought going on? Uh, we have lots of drought going on about the Western third of the state is in drought. And, uh, we have a fire weather warning in place till, uh, well, it just ended, but we have a watch for tomorrow. And, um, I'm curious to know how many of your, uh, listeners are in Skywarn but also participate in the Weather Ready Nation uh, program from the National Weather Service, weather.gov slash WRN. Just curious about that. They're really, really married uh, programs. Weather Ready Nation does uh, pretty much what uh, Skywarn had also intended to be, uh, getting not only getting weather reports to the National Weather Service, but feeding our uh, neighbors, uh, accurate uh, weather information, uh, not relying on uh, uh, an amateur weather person, but feeding our neighbors accurate weather information from the National Weather Service. So I'm, I'm curious how many of your listeners are even aware of the Weather Ready Nation program. Well, if they weren't, they are now. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one of the goals of the show, so that's that's good. So, yeah, I... I uh, I, I would be interested in uh, knowing that as well. And, and Lloyd, I'm going to put you on the spot here for a second because uh, John and I have been talking about uh, tornadoes, and you're mentioning the the fire thing. So uh, we don't get that one a whole lot around here. We, I remember one time we did, and we had to establish some uh, some links um, that normally we wouldn't uh, to kind of keep an eye on some things. So uh, what do you all do um, – in, in a ham radio situation with Skywarn with the, the fire warnings? Well, when we do have a fire warning, typically our advice to the citizens that we 
apply to ourselves is if you see smoke, report it. Uh, currently in Oklahoma, uh, the western tier of counties is under a governor's burn ban anyway. So if there's smoke out there, uh, you're supposed to report it to local authorities. Um, and that way you can uh, help enforce that burn ban. Uh, second, uh, it's important mm-hmm. that our operators have radar skills and the smoke detector on our radar and um, and radar scope is base reflectivity level one and coalition coefficient and level two or level one and those will detect the smoke plumes before anything else uh, and any other radar product so those are the two things if you see smoke report it and watch your radar for smoke plumes okay well we, we learned something john <laughs> Yes, we did. And uh, speaking of Weather Ready Nation, uh, our organization, Central Indiana Skywarn, is a Weather Ready Nation, and uh, that is being promoted by the Indianapolis Weather Office, like you had mentioned earlier, when they go out and do the county talks. They also try to get businesses and uh, the county weather ready as well with the Weather Ready Nation program. I know I see a lot of the uh, the county um We'll we'll get like a a rating, you know, that they're they are weather ready, and see the signs out there a lot. And that go along with Skywarn. Uh, Skywarn was originally the number one. Uh, then Storm Ready was number two. It was a program developed out of the Norman National Weather Service office and the Tulsa National Weather Service office, and Oklahoma and Storm Ready. Uh, you can be a Storm Ready community, a county. Uh, and a university, a school, uh, you can be a storm-ready military uh, base, and I think there's even a storm-ready band. But uh, that all involves being involved with uh, a community being able to document to the Weather Service that they are storm-ready, and it all ties into also to Skywarn and Weather Ready Nation. All right, Lloyd. Well, thanks for... Uh bringing that to our attention and uh, we'll try to get those links sent out on that as well so thanks for calling in tonight and thanks for taking my call i appreciate your program be safe all right okay you too lloyd take care be careful seven three and god fires. bless seven three seven five all right well we've got about a minute left here john so i'm gonna check the tweets one more time but uh we're probably out of time for for calls this evening don't see anything else coming up on on twitter so we'll just kind of uh, finish things up here uh with any last uh comments that you have or uh, uh anything that we forgot no i appreciate you having me on the show um uh, just want to reiterate uh you can uh probably go to your local national weather service offices to find uh, spotter training because i think all the offices uh, do it, and uh, you, if you want to get some more training on how to spot and what to look for, because they go through everything. Uh, I've been through many of them. We're actually having a regional one <clears throat> this weekend here in Indianapolis, an advanced spotter training, and they'll do a presentation at the county level of the clouds and what to look for and what to report, and it's, it's really good. So you can go to your local weather service uh, office off of NOAA.gov and uh, gather the information on where your spotter training might be. 
but just to reiterate, when we bring up nets, uh, make sure if there is something going on that you, uh, you know, limit your traffic unless you've got something that's very pertinent and th- that can help save lives. That's the big point that I want to stress tonight. All right, John. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to come on and, and even in installing Skype. That, that, that's, that may have been a big move. Installing Skype. Oh yeah, it took yeah. It took hours. I've been all day. I've been installing Skype. <laughs> About three minutes, and I was there. Unfortunately, I'm a techie like you. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Well, thank you, John, and that is a wrap for uh, this week's episode of Ham Talk Live. Thanks to John Mills, KC9BRX. And everyone out there in cyberspace for listening and calling in. And I invite you back next Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Time when Rob Brownstein, uh, K6RB, will be here to talk about CW Ops, an organization of CW operators. Um, and for a list of all of our upcoming guests, and it's been updated quite a bit recently, uh, go over to hamtalklive.com and just click on that show schedule link, and you can find out who's coming up in the next several weeks. So for now, this is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, saying 7375, and as always, may the good DX be yours. Seven three and good luck from Ham Talk Live.